This is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And it's Two Teachers Talking. This is episode 36. Uh, Charles and I get together every couple of weeks and talk about uh, teaching, teaching English in Japan and um, all the problems and fun to be had therein. Uh, today, talking about uh, the new semester, um, a kind of a new beginning, a semi-new beginning, uh, kind of a do-over chance, maybe, uh, but uh, talking about how the um, a semester begins and what we do and what we're going to try to avoid doing and maybe some new things that we might try. New uh, things? So What's all that? Kind of, yeah, all kinds of new <laughs> stuff. But, you know, here we are. It's like summer vacation's over. The stuff is hitting the fan, and here we go. Yes, and the morning period is just kind of coming to a close. <laughs> I do love summer. I do love that summer vacation. Gives me oh, a chance. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> Gives me a chance to read. Mm-hmm. I think for during the semester, I don't read anything other than educational Correct. materials or student mm-hmm. papers. Yeah, exactly. And a chance to review. So actually, you're right. We're at the fall semester, which is our second semester, which is has a different feel, don't you think? Right. I think it's totally what... weird. It's totally weird. And, I, and for me, I go through a, a number of changes. One, we've got the calendar shift because uh, us coming from North America, our school year begins in September, ends in June, more or less. Uh, though there's creep at either ends in those things now. Whereas here, the school year begins in April and ends in now February. Used to be January. Uh, and the summer vacation is also odd because it would be June, July, August. Here it now is creeping, kind of shrinking to be the second half of August and the first half of September. Which is which is a weirdness all by itself because you've got the weather shift that's happened months before, you've got the daylight shift which has happened months before, and and we don't have daylight savings time here. Yeah, we still that's amazing to me. Yeah, it's insane. Anyway, <laughs> that's another show in and of itself. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, just, just pile it on, put it on the pile of insanity. Yeah, the sunrise at three thirty, really good idea. Um, and the other thing that's really different, summer and fall for me, um, coming from, <laughs> you, as you know, Chicago, um, as I'm never tired of talking about, but um, for me and for us back in Chicago, the, the winters are so long and so intimidating that when spring comes and summer vacation comes, it is a glorious event. And you count, your calendar is marked and you're waiting for that day. And every day of that summer vacation is so special. Uh, and that fall comes, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard, hard moment when you got to go back to school in the fall. Um, in contrast, here, the, <laughs> the summer weather and the rainy season followed by what is known here as the summer is so incredibly hot, humid, and oppressive that it's really a mixed bag where you're looking forward to summer and the break, but then you have this really unbearable climate to go with it. So I'm all messed up. Well, I think the difference here is that you look forward to the fall. <laughs> I think somewhere yeah. somebody once told me when I came to Japan, they said the summers are pretty rough here. In fact, once the summer's over, people say, congratulations, you've survived the summer. Mm. And especially coming from L.A., which, mm. unlike Chicago, I think has zero, he- almost no humidity. Mm. It's hard. Mm. It's hard. Mm. So, yeah, our timing is off. But if we've been here for a long time, as we have, 
you kind of adjust to it. But I still never get used to the humid summers. I'm still mm. shocked every summer. Yeah, people but... say it to me too. So, well, but you get used to it. I go, no, you don't. No, every you summer I am shocked at how hot and humid it is here. It's, so. it's something. Okay, so talking about weather shows you how long we've been in Japan. We start off by talking mm-hmm. about the weather. Coming back in fall, um, I think, Tony, you're like me that most of your classes are semester-long classes. And... Gaku. No, that's the opposite. So, Oh, you're the opposite of, of me. I'm the opposite. Most of mine are year-long classes. At least they have the same students, first and second semester. It's about an 80-20 split, so we're kind of the opposite. You, well, that's have, what, right. you have mostly new students. Right. I'll have I have mostly new. continuing classes. Yeah, yeah. So we're we can. It's very different in that sense. I thought we both were in the same boat, but you're right. You have mainly year long classes. My school, most of my classes, except for my graduate class and right the senior thesis project class, are all semester. So why don't we start? Um, uh, let me ask you. So how is Fall semester, which is kind of, as you said, a new start, but not really a new start, um, but it still feels like a, a beginning in some way, different from spring, where well, you're going yeah. in totally fresh, you don't have the students. Why don't you explain what it's like as a teacher to deal with that? Well, I think one of the, from the teacher perspective, when you begin in, in spring, in April, when our spring semester begins, you get a feeling that you're really coming off of a, a real vacation. And I think your batteries are a little bit more charged and just mentally you're set for a new beginning. Uh, where, and, and then here in the, in the fall, even in, like in your situation for most of your classes, where you are getting a whole class of new faces and new students and it really is beginning again from scratch, it kind of doesn't feel like that. And I have I have one school that's like that. One of my days is like that. I get a whole new group of students. I'm using a different textbook. It's blank slate. But it somehow it feels qualitatively differently than it does in the spring. And I don't like that. Um, you don't like that. It I don't doesn't like feel new different. students. I don't. I, I like the year long classes because um, it gives me a little bit time away from the students and it, a little time of them away from me as well as their other classes now why would they need that a little break well it's, a, it's a, <laughs> hey breaks are good things breaks are good things breaks are great things yes and uh what's nice is for me what i enjoy about it is that well i already know the students um i know what they're capable of i know what their tendencies are uh, i know their personalities you know as a, not in each individual but you know kind of as a group i know this class is like this and this class is like this I've kind of figured out how to manipulate them to get them to do what I need them to do, or to motivate them to do what they need, what they need to do. Um, and they know me; they know what the expectations are, and not to have to retrain them again—a mm. whole new batch to retrain—is really, really nice. And it then that with that l- little extra luxury of a buffer of time. If you if you work it right, you can use that to okay. This is you can start tweaking. It's like okay, th- I you're in the middle of the semester. It's kind of hard to to shift things around. You get a little bit of a break, a little bit of a breather. Okay, now we're going to do this. We're going to do it a little bit differently now, and so you can correct, you can adjust, you can 
uh, tweak what you're doing, the approach that you're doing, the, maybe the level of the work, the amount of the work, how you split up your 90 minutes in class, all of that type of thing. You can, you can correct and you can improve. You can make it better. Uh, and it's a really nice choice, nice chance mm. to do that. Yeah, the interesting thing about that is when you're tweaking, when you're making adjustments, that since you know the students, you can pretty much feel confident that what you're tweaking or what you're changing is the reason that an activity or a lesson is working or not working. Whereas when I'm doing that with students I don't know, in a new class, for example, you don't, I, I don't know, is this new way of doing something working because it's actually a good way or is it because ah, it's a different really group of students? So you've kind of taken a variable out of the exactly. equation, which is nice. But the other thing I wanted to comment on, Tony, is what you said about training your students. That is why I often long for the year-long classes. It makes such a big difference. Well, for anyone who uses tech in the classroom, you know that you have to dedicate basically one class to getting your students to understand where to find your materials online. We were talking about this in our other episode, the other episode we right. talked about. But just showing them the website, making sure that they write the website down properly or that they can access it on their phones and then how to find the materials on the website and how to upload their homework etc and i lose all that because by the end of the semester the students understand how to submit their materials and how to submit the right <laughs> type of the material right <laughs> right exactly and, it, and even even if you're not using tech there's all kinds of other things right okay. for example Do you want, are you are you do you want to be called professor wiz do you want to be called mr wiz do you want to be called chuck um, all Definitely not the latter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want, you know, oh, yeah, this is the guy that demands everything tight. Exactly. All kinds of, or th this is the, this is the class where we have assigned seats. Where's my seat? Oh, this is, this. oh, he wants us to do this. All kinds of things that you have set up with your class and you, by the end of the spring semester, are just, they're just natural and they're comfortable for everybody. Even maybe it's not ideal for everybody, but everybody knows what to do. You know what to do. They know what to do. And mm. have to go back and start from scratch again in September or October, as it should be. Right. Um, man, that's hard. Yes. I find that really hard. That's a very good point, because on top of the individual differences we bring to the classes, our idiosyncrasies, the students have to adjust between the native Japanese educator and a let's say, foreign educator who are bringing in often very different expectations into the classroom. And for those people who are outside of Japan, one of the strange things about the Japanese educational system is students will have like 15, 90-minute classes a week. It's not like in America or where I remember where you had, um, what, four classes and they met for three hours a week if it was a three-unit class, for example. Yeah, it, let's let's repeat that because it really is pretty a foreign concept, and it, people might not. It's still a foreign concept to me. I don't <laughs> so, get it, and I so don't like it. So these students have fifteen separate, discrete classes that courses. do not repeat. They do not repeat. They meet During the once week. a week. They meet right. once a week for ninety minutes. 
ponder anybody that. tells you anything about foreign language acquisition. Well, think you. about this any educational process. Think about any educational process. Man, what a mess. What a <laughs> ponder mess. that. Anyway. So, yeah, of course, where when I went to school, you had uh, a class or a course, and it met several times a week, depending on what the course was, maybe three times, maybe it was five times. Depending on how many credits or Credits and, and the nature of the class, right? Our English classes demanded all kinds, much more outside work, so they're actually class And we were native speakers. <laughs> right. But the repetition, right? And, you know, foreign language. The continuity. Like, you know, when yes. I studied you know, Japanese, is four regular classroom hours with uh, one lab hour, which is not lab hour, but it was a, uh, with a teaching assistant, more like a practicum. And then you're also expected to do things, you know, in the learning lab, you know, listen to the tape and repeat and that kind of crap. But, uh, yeah, five classroom hours a week, but Whereas once a here. day, right? So once you've trained your students, going back to that, right, and there are all these different expectations, you're so right that I have to deal with the fact that I give about an hour's worth of homework a week for a class, which is kind of opposite. I always thought it was supposed to be two or three times the amount of homework for a classroom hour. Yeah, or something. But here, yeah, that was yeah, it was a recipe back home too. Yeah. Now, how legitimate <laughs> that recipe is, I don't know. I think it sounds like an arbitrary number. I'm not sure, sure. if there's been any data or research to back it up. But here. The students complain because they think I give an excessive amount of homework. So curious, just a question, and, and you probably don't have an answer. But <laughs> thanks a lot for that vote of confidence. <laughs> but um, what's your address? Because <laughs> I'm, go I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, the students complain. Do they? Comp do the first semester students complain more or less than the students in the second semester? Ah, you know, I have. That's worth study because my the reason that where, where I'm going with this is because uh, a lot of our students, a lot of my students anywhere, first year students, and when I get them in the spring, they're virgins, and they when when I do my English class, that's that's what they learn in English class is. When I get a, a first year student in their second semester, they're bringing expectations to the classroom based on the teacher that they had in their first semester which may be a good thing, and you've talked about before about how other teachers who've had your students in, after you had and uh, talked about their manners, mm -hmm. classroom manners. They say please. They say thank you. They know certain things. They behave certain ways. Um, when you inherit someone else's students, for better or for worse, you get the things that they were taught in their first semester, uh, what's appropriate and in inappropriate classroom behavior, um, policies, for example, on homework. If the, the guy that was teaching them the first semester never gave them homework and they come to your class, it's like, homework? Eh? <laughs> well, but that works for first-year students, but by second and third-year, fourth-year students, there's lots of baggage. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the difference is not so great. Uh, yeah, but it's mainly the first-year students. Yeah, that's the best thing about the first semester with first-year students is to set a tone. But this also would be an interesting talk we should have about the need for consistency between teachers in terms of the expectations people have for what their students are doing in the classrooms. And this is what we talked a little bit yes, about, we've danced a couple of around times this about uh, coordinated programs. Right. And that is one of the big, big advantages to have that uniform set of expectations across the board. 
Yes. Uh, so that, I mean, it's just good for everybody. I mean, it's good for everybody, period. Right. Shared outcomes, right? That the outcomes are set, the goals, objectives are clear for the classes, right? And that these are the expectations. Now go ahead and, you know, implement it. What's the best way? But okay. So there's a disadvantage for first year students coming in in the fall semester. They've had other teachers who might have different expectations, different attitudes. The perfect example of that is I don't accept late homework which is very different from most other teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just have I to right explain to students it just screws everything up for me in terms of my um my my paper. My yeah, bookkeeping. and you can make you can make arguments for both sides of that. Yes. And they're both and it's fine, but again, the consistency. Exactly. It's a nice so, thing, right? And the, the lack of a you don't need to deal with that extra adjustment shift. Okay, right. So you're coming in in the fall so there's the differences there. Students have had other teachers. They have different ideas. And maybe they reset every year because maybe the level of courses are different or there are different courses offered and that students may not have had you, although I'm sure the students talk a lot. And so, sure, and, and also for, from the student perspective, for them too, it's a much more significant step. You know, they're going from being first-year students to second-year students or third-year students. They're making a jump, whereas going from first to second semester – I think for them psychologically, it's maybe not such a big step. Different mindset that they bring to the classroom, possibly. Well, I think it is. I mean, I, I went with my first year students in about the third or fourth week of April, or right after Golden Week. I always like to turn them and say, "Do you remember your first day <laughs> at at university? How excited you were! How thrilled you were! How exciting it was to come to class!" And then they all laugh, <laughs> like, "Oh, yeah, how naive." So how does these different things of having some of the students, it's not having some of the same students, it's the second semester versus the first semester, how does that affect your your tweaking of the classroom, so implementing stuff? Do you change your syllabi? Do you modify? Uh, what do you do for the fall that's maybe different from the spring? I, I change a lot. Uh, obviously, when it, when I have like new students, everything is different. Their level is different. The textbook can be different. I start from scratch. It's just like spring. It's just the way it goes. Um, but for the the continuing classes, um, depending on you know how lucky I was, I won't say how, how skillful, how lucky I was in the first semester and kind of matching up my plan with the group of students that I get. Um, I can I, I change quite a bit. Uh, for example, I've already had a, a class or two uh, in this in this semester already. That's unbelievable. Too. Yeah, well, don't get me started. I thought I was start I, I was starting early because I have classes next week. Mm. Okay, you know, anyway, se you know, September seventeenth. Anyway, um, they uh, and they're all kind of the same. I mean, they're they're different majors, they have different levels of very course three classes, very different personalities, but it's all kind of first year communication type classes. And um, yeah, I shifted quite a bit. And what I did was I I usually have um, some kind of student project. But because of the calendar, we're beginning so early. We finish very early. We only have one class meeting in January. Uh, so oh, that's the actual, not so bad. No, no, no. But it, but it, but again, about tweaking, right? So everything kind of gets loaded up front, and they don't have the calendar time to devote to a student project, which is what I usually like to do because 
mandatory final exam in that in that January date. So all your teaching's got to get done before Christmas. If you can have like a special kind of cultural Christmas class, and then you've got to have you have your own kind of auxiliary little exam, and then this particular school has other little exams. Actually, I, I'm done teaching these guys at the end of November. It's a fair point, given how December. So I've really got to switch that. So what I switched was, um, I didn't give them a project. Instead, we're going to have they have weekly homework plus small test on the homework. Some of them will be listening. They have a listening assignment, and so they do the listening outside of class, and they get like three simple questions on content. Uh, Some of them will be outside readings, and sometimes it'll be something else. It'll be like a YouTube video that they've got to watch. And then they could answer questions. So, uh, it I, the, the rationale behind this was this uh, this school has uh, as part of a coordinated program required listening tests three times a week based on their own listening practice in the language lab. Uh, most of the teachers give their quote unquote listening test based on the script of the listening that they do. So the kids just get the script in English or in Japanese, memorize the script and answer the questions. I create true listening tests for them, which is good, except that it rewards the students who come to the class with a certain level of listening proficiency. You know, they come to class with very, very different abilities. By giving them listening homework... And then grading them on the content. No listening in class, just on the content. You've got to do it at home. This allows the students who don't have the listening ability, who are putting in a real effort to sit there and hack it out and listen to this thing, you know, however time, many times they need, but they can then perform well on that weekly ex- little small test and uh, kind of equalize things that way to kind of... Uh, get away with that one little inequality that I noticed in this in this first semester, and I explained that to them, and they all seemed to like it, as hmm. as much as students like. You know, they were nodding their heads. They kind of got with the program. So that's a that's made a, a nice, you know, it's pretty tiny but concrete example of tweaking things to make things different for the student that you've got the way that they're performing, what you'd like them to do, what you think is beneficial for them, mm, like that. Yeah, I'm doing similar things. I've been spending the last week and a half, two weeks, really going over all my syllabi and trying to tweak them, you know, keeping within the original framework as much as possible, but trying to adjust based on what happened in the first semester. I think one of the big changes I'm going to do is I've always liked having group projects, group presentations yes, at yes, the end, yes. but I'm be- and the students evaluate themselves and they evaluate the other groups. And then, of course, I just kind of norm it and figure out what the average is and create a curve from that. But I'm beginning to feel that some students are working harder than others in that problem of group work again. Mm-hmm. And very, very tempted, haven't put it into stone yet, but moving more into just individual presentations, Mm. you know, so that students just have to deal with themselves. But I like that group work thing. So maybe some kind of combination. And then that's a tough balance. Right. 
Yeah. But, no, whatever you're doing, it's it's always tough. That individual group thing. That's, that's always been a that's problem. That's tough. That's always tough. There's no there's no easy answer. Well, that I found anyway. Right. So I think as you know, looking at the classroom as this laboratory every year where I try out ideas and try to improve things. The fall semester seems more, I think, as you mentioned, a tweaking rather than changes. I'm trying to fix things, I think. Right, Looking right. for leaky pipes and trying to make – I'm not you know, putting in new plumbing, in other words. Right, Which is, right. I think, what we do in, the, in over the – at the end of the fall semester. Good uh, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Put in, you know, right now I'm just looking for leaks and trying to figure out how to make sure nothing bursts. That's <laughs> kind of just, let's get yeah. it. Because the other big difference in Japan for those people who are not here, the spring semester, you start school and like three weeks later, you have like a week off almost, which is called golden week here. And then when you come back, it's pretty much... After the first week of May, it's May, June, July. There's very, very few breaks. It's awful. It's a very hard, long stretch. The The flip side is it's wonderful in the fall is that there's lots of holidays, but it's really hard to develop continuity. So, for example, I'm going to start a couple of classes next week, but my university starts the first week of October, and we go back. And the second Monday of October is a holiday, I believe. So how could you get any continuity going when your second class is a holiday? And then there'll be holidays in November. There's the school festivals where they give, they cancel classes so the students can participate in the school festival. Um, by the way, we should do a whole episode on university festivals. <laughs> because <what>? <laughs> <laughs> My my question is like, why are the students working so hard? <laughs> or my truly big question, which is, sorry, it's changing subjects, but this is to throw it out to the audience members, which is, I go to these school festivals, university festivals, and the guys are all cooking. You know, when you go to the the, the what are they called, the, uh, the little tents, the kiosks, whatever, and they're cooking their yakitori or their okonomiyaki, and the guys are cooking, and it's the only time that these guys cook. Well, it's a it's a it's a real good observation, and it's why uh, do guys and, cook in public? <laughs> and it's a and it's 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 a throwdown. It's a challenge to us because what we need to do to figure out how to do is to tap into whatever the hell that motivation is, and to bring some small iota of it into the classroom. <laughs> because yeah, you're right. These guys who don't do anything all year is sit in the back and sleep. It comes to this festival time. They're they're leaders, and they're yeah, they're out there. They're, oh. they're they're standing over the fire, and they're they're cooking all day. Or my favorite one night. is that the really shy, quiet kid who's like barely uttered any comments in either English or Japanese to anybody in the class is out there, you know, you know um, barking away, right? Announcing, yeah, yeah, hey, this hey, is come a... over to our come over to our our stall. We have this that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, interesting, interesting, interesting. Very, very, very. But I think that that's one of the advantages of the fall semester is you get to see at the school festival whereas in the spring it's very hard to see your students outside in that kind of large-scale public event but i'm thinking also on the tweaking side fixing the leaky pipes what are the main things you're really fixing do you think tony is it materials is it how you're approaching the class are 
Or is it kind of like those questions that we're kind of asking, which is like, why does a student do this? What accounts for this? What do you think is your focus in terms of that self-reflection as a teacher in the fall semester that maybe is different in the It'll, I think, I think for me, I, I, I focus mostly on the two things. Well, it, may, it might be three things. Uh, the, Could be four. The, the actual <laughs> tasks, the tasks that I ask the students to do and that could be either in class or out of class, out of class. So either for homework outside of class or actually in class. You think about, you know, what they were, what the, what I've asked them to do, how they responded, how they performed, what seemed to flow for them, what seemed to be difficult for them, and was it difficult because of the linguistic challenges, or was it difficult because of the structure of the the task, those kinds of things. So I will tweak what I ask them to do and how I ask them to do it, either in class or outside of class. Um, and I will, all, the other thing that I will tweak is actually how I use my 90 minutes. Um, so the other aspect to this, to this class that I've had so far is um, kind of like a really poor textbook that I have no control over. And so in that 90 minute period, what we'll have each week is not only this small test based on homework, but also a dedicated 10 to 15 minute period of free conversation where they can talk about anything and everything under the sun, um, their favorite musical artist, the school festival, uh, what they did, as long as it's in English. And they can ask me anything at all. So, and they, they seem to really glom onto that. I don't know how it's going to work. Because we, we just we've just met, right? But um, to do that, so that kind of tweaking is actually I do. What do I do within ninety minutes? How can I use that ninety minutes more effectively? Looking at what they did in the first semester, and they were able to handle, for example, the structured conversation classes, but they seemed somehow artificially restrained by the textbook or the textbook topics or activities it was something that they wanted to do and then finish and then it's okay we're finished and it's okay well keep going they 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 didn't get the keep going part so have the classroom task whatever the textbook that i've got to use do that okay now you're finished now talk and, and they're, they're capable of doing that they don't they might not be aware of it but they're capable of doing it. And so that's what I'm going to do with the second semester with, with this group of classes. And we'll see how it goes. Hmm. I think that's a kind of a similar thing that I'll be doing with the continuing classes is looking to see how to modify and improve what's already been laid down. I mean, we could go on and on about activities for increasing the students' abilities to talk and I think here's the thing we were talking about training students before, and mm -hmm. I've I do something where I have the students always get into pairs, regardless if it's a writing class, a reading class, a it doesn't matter to me. That you put them into pairs, and they have to sit and say, "How are you today?" or "How was your weekend?" or "What will you be doing this weekend?" Because in the beginning, that's kind of what you said, right? In the beginning, if you put students together and say, "How was your weekend?" they'll go, "Fine." 
And you? And you. If they're well-trained. <laughs> if they're well-trained, they'll say the and you. And then they'll stop talking. And if you ask them, why have you stopped talking? They'll we're say, finished. Well, we're finished. And then you try to explain to them that, look, if you're sitting with your friends, the conversation moves and rolls along. The advantage for me when I have a year-long class, especially if it's a speaking class, is pretty much by the end of the year, the students will spend 90 minutes talking to each other mm. from that basic start. And they'll go 90 minutes just from how is your weekend or what will you be doing. So, yeah, that's going back, a kind of missing the point here, but just saying how different the fall semester is spring because of that retraining thing. Anything else you're doing, though? Um, you think, or let me make it more concrete. Is there anything specific you're going to be doing from this fall? That's different from the spring. Yeah. I mean, real. I mean, for example, I'm giving up using Moodle. Oh. Right? For example, I just decided this is a real big difference. I'm getting my own website. <clears throat> Students have been complaining about how difficult it is to navigate the site, how difficult it is to use the site. And I'm really, really tired of enrolling students in the Moodle system and all the problems that entails. So there's a, a real big thing I'm going to be doing that's different, which is giving up on Moodle. I mean, do you have anything comparable? <coughs> Other than for giving up on me as a partner in the podcast. <laughs> um, no, excuse my coughing. But um, yeah, there's, a, there's another class at the other end of the spectrum. And uh, probably talked to them a little bit about them at the beginning of the year. Just one of the classes that was... Um, very reluctant to speak English uh, based on my guess is their just lack of experience and again I'll, I'll curse their high school teachers for it um, but with this class uh, where we were kind of going I was going very very slowly with them uh, covering it's a topics conversation class or should be a topics conversation class uh, the and because be. of their because of their I don't think it's their ability, but because of their, whatever you want to call it, their personality or their comfort level, we really backed it down and really slowed it down. And in class, did a lot of the things that for ordinary classes, I expect them to do on their own. Um, the second semester, they don't know it yet, but they're going to be doing it on their own. Uh, we're going to pick up the pace. We're almost going to double the pace. We're going to do... Uh, one unit per week, and the onus of preparation is going to be totally on their shoulders, the way it is with my other classes. Because as I watched them for the first semester, it was not their uh, ability that was holding them back, but their confidence or their comfort level. And um, they've had their you know grace period, first semester, fifteen weeks, and second semester, they're going to have to they're going to have to pull a little harder. Uh, they're going to have to get uncomfortable a little bit. They're going to have to push and uh, get out there, and we'll see how it goes. Um, my in in the past, it's it's bitten me both ways. Once we, you know, we, it's, it's kind of a, a adage or common attitude that if you give student, you know, you meet students with give high expectations, have high expectations of students, then they'll meet those expectations. If you come out with low expectations, they'll meet those too. Um, I. Like I said, I've gotten bitten by that, and I've been rewarded with that. Uh, and we'll see what happens with these guys. Um, I will, uh, you know, push them a lot harder, raise the bar for the second semester, uh, and they will not 
<laughs> as they did to me in the first semester, just stare at the edge of their desks in silence <laughs> for 40 minutes. Um, so, yeah, again, the advantage of having them for the second semester is, okay, uh, this not necessarily correcting my mistake, uh, but correcting their learning strategies, let's say. Mm. So um, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I understand that very well. <laughs> I think that's one of the advantages of the of the continuous classes is that students mm. who have adjusted to my personality. Um, because I'm sure you've heard this, right? When the Japanese word is kawaii for scary, right? And <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> and you, you know where I'm going with this one. Mm, and anyone who's sure. taught in Japan knows that these students, there are students who will be scared of the gentlest teacher just because the teacher is demanding from them and has a certain level of strictness. So these students adjusting again is always an interesting problem. But I know about, yeah, the whether or not one should allow that student to stare at their desk for 40 minutes or push them to engage more? It's a difficult question, actually. And it brings in always the question of how much is this science and how much is this art? Um, but that's useful when you have the students, right? So here's the interesting thing, I think, is that you have most of your classes are continuing for the year, okay? Correct. What happens when you have the similarities between classes? So you have the quiet, shy student who you've had for one semester, and now you're kind of upping the ante, so to speak. But then in a class you've just started from the fall semester, you have the same kind of student. Do you find yourself treating the newer student similar to the continuing student, or do you find yourself going back to an original mode? How does that overlap actually affect you on a continuous basis in the fall semester real good question and i don't know that i have an answer <laughs> um and that's a wrap for the show <laughs> <laughs> but uh because because like and it's an easy out for me because the the specific types of classes are very very different uh this is a you know the, the one the one i've just been talking about was a um oral communication class the new students that i'm getting uh, it's a combination reading writing class mm-hmm so the nature of the classes uh, are quite, quite different. But um, I think each time we do this kind of adjustment, you know, we, we try something or, we, you know, we, we begin, the school year begins. We go in there. We, we do what we think we're supposed to do. We do what we think is going to work. We look at the kids. We make a, a, a gut call and say, okay. Nah, not gonna this work. Is, this is what's going to work with these guys, and and it works or it doesn't. <laughs> sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And you know, you, you did it work? Okay, why did it? That, that that's the important thing. Why did it work? Because it's if, you know, usually it works. Like, okay, fine, good, <laughs> done. I'm done, right? But no, no. Okay, why did it work this time? Why didn't it work the last year? And when things don't work, all right, why didn't it work? Was it me? Was it the material? Was it the kids? Was it how is work? Was it was it the class that they have before you? Um, is it the room? Because it, it, it's too dark. Well, it's whatever too it bright. is, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's 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 the, it's the mix of uh, gases in the atmosphere. Nice. So, it, so, so anyway, like right. Charles, we take an objective view. Right. Objective views are good. 
my objectivity is something I don't have a problem with. But. <laughs> and so all of that's part of it. So, yeah, when I have these new kids uh, next week, um, I bring all of that in to my initial analysis and say, okay, this is what we're going to do, I think. I don't say I think, but say, okay, and then I watch for reactions and this and that and what kind, what type of class it's going to be. And, yeah, the I try to apply the successes and failures, the successful and unsuccessful tweaks that I've made, adjustments, and hopefully as years go by, you get closer and closer to being able to judge from the beginning and also very quickly be on your feet, being able to tweak on the fly and mm. say, okay, this isn't going to work. Which is an interesting story. Um Interesting to me, but um, one of those cases where um, I walked into a, a new university, uh, completely, completely wrong in my expectations, based on my previous teaching experience here. You know, this was I, I, I suddenly found myself at a real university, but I was not quite aware of the the implications. Uh, at the time, and so it was the first day of class. You, we do what we do. We you know, do our spiel, blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, this is it. Language is this, and it's communication. It's like sports, doing blah blah blah. Are there any questions? Of course, no one raises their hand, right? Ha! Mm-hmm. Huh. Right. <laughs> hand goes up. <laughs> Indicator number one. Hmm. This is an interesting sign. Yeah, interesting. Okay, someone has a question. Hmm. Excuse me, this is a little off topic, but have you ever regretted becoming a teacher? <laughs> the answer is <laughs> not, yes, until uh, now. not until now. <laughs> <laughs> not until now. <laughs> <laughs> not until this minute. God damn. <laughs> so okay. And then did they get? The I got to go home and redo the. <laughs> redo my plan for this class because obviously these guys already know everything that I was planning on teaching in the next 15 weeks. That's a joyful revamp. Oh, yeah. That's the joyful revamp. I've I've had that happen a couple times and I have never, ever been upset. I've been joyous. Although I do feel Oh, labor of love, man. It's great. Oh, yeah. You you feel (laughs) totally stupid because the students you're going on and they're looking at you kind of going like, you know, all right. But how grateful for it to happen on the first day. I mean, because that could really easily go on for like for a month before like someone would give you a hint. Uh, you know, like, that's common too. Sensei, <laughs> sensei, this is really too easy for us because no one's ever going to say that. They're just going to look at you. They're going to give you that look, and you're going to see a look. You see something's wrong. You know, maybe you know it's cafeteria food. You know, <laughs> maybe my fly is undone. You look at their faces. You know, something's wrong. You know what it is. But it was really nice to get that feedback on the first day, so I didn't waste. Another class, another week or two. Again, again, those classes only meet once a week, right? Well, you know, Tony, that goes back to something we talked about, I think, last year, where how, what do you do on the first day? How do you set the tone? And here's it. Remember what we said, whatever you do, you got to set that tone properly. you got to build trust with the students. You don't want them nervous. And I think I'm 75% of the way there that I'm going to change that from the fall is that I'm huh. actually going to have some kind of assessment instrument huh. on the first class because it's exactly what you've said. Hmm. It's 
a rarity. It's an incredible rarity for a student in the first class or the second class or a number of students to inform you that, you know, the level's too low because they're never, or the level, right, is when it's too high, they can't tell you that. Mm-hmm. So I've decided that I have to, you know, check their vocabulary. You know, what, how many English words do they know? Get some kind of estimate there. I need, and I need to give them some kind of set of directions that they have to follow so that I can assess their listening ability as well. Because I've just been too wrong too often on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a hard time because, you know, as I said, that first day is tone setting. Right, is really creating the atmosphere of trust, and by giving them these assessments, I'm wondering if it's a negative. But when I get students, I mean, some of the classes are tracked, but even in tracked classes, there's an incredible amount of variability. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and I want to make sure that the reading assignments and the listening exercises and what I'm planning to have them do in the textbook is matching up to their levels. So I think that's a big change for me that I'm going to do based on what i saw happen in the spring semester yeah good good i um I, we've talked about i think before yeah. probably at the be you know we did our beginning of the year thing what we do on the first day and uh with the speaking and listening aspects um i don't do the formal evaluation but we talked about what the, the informal things we do it's, yeah. for example I, you know use a standard joke and to see right who how many kids respond and how they respond, if or if they respond at all. Um, but uh, for I, I talked about this semester where I get a new batch, three classes of reading writing students who are tracked mm-hmm. ostensibly, um, but even but they're grouped by majors and from major to major. There's there's a huge variation, and for the reading writing classes, always on the first day I, I do a, a abbreviated um, introduction so that they get a sense of who I am. Just just like, you know, oh, I'll show you mine first. Okay, this is me. This is where we're going. Uh, and then I always follow up with a uh, with a evaluative activity, it's like a reading-writing thing. I was like, here's a paragraph. Here's a, here's a new, not a paragraph for these guys. It's going to be a, a short newspaper article. Um, read it, summarize it, give your opinion on it. And then the last question is like, well, what, what did you think? Was this too easy, too difficult about the levels? Like, what about what kind of topics you're interested in? So I'll pull interest as well as like check their um, ability and their level and things. But uh, I always do that with writing classes. Right. With writing classes, I always ask them for a writing sample on the first sure. day. Because you got to know what you're working with. And also I want to be able to have them compare. I want them to have a baseline to see where they started. Yeah, I always do that too. I yeah. always give them their paper back at the end of the semester. Yeah, I usually have them rewrite the same topic at the end of the semester. Mm. And then you say, hey, look at the difference. But I think that when we're talking about tweaks, right, again, fixing the leaky pipes, that I've gotten to a point where I think it's more important that the students realize that this is a strict class to some degree Mm. because they one of the things i've learned and i don't learn um or unlearn i can't remember is that because i'm reasonably funny and happy in class the students think that i don't expect a lot yeah you're not a serious right there's that whole thing here where if you're funny you're not serious 
that two yeah, cannot exist. Right. And this is causing me just, I think, or my students, just too much pain. So I think I'm just going to come in, say, hi, you know, look, I need to get a sense of your level. I'm going to check your vocabulary. I'm going to check your reading. And I'm going to check your listening. And, you know, just that's unfortunately going to be the first day. And they're going to think that I'm really strict and not fun. But on the other hand, um, you know, there are certain oh. schools where once students enter them, the, and this, I think, tends to happen sometimes at the higher level schools, the entitlement that ah, I'm in this school, therefore I'm guaranteed a job and I really don't need to work. Hmm. And so I'm good. That's going to be a change I'm going to try from this fall and see how that works as well and then kind of go if necessary ease up but i think i really need to have a better sense of my students vocabulary level how well they can follow directions um and also just getting a sense as to how much they can interact as well as looking at how well they work together you know so that'll be i'm, I'm interested to see how that works out and i'm interested in it not not so much for the evaluation part or the information you get, like telling you about their level and things, but the Atmosphere. being the being the hard ass first. Right. Because it's always easier to get lighter. Yes. It's really harder to come in and being the nice guy than who's suddenly upset and, and is being a prick. No, there's no question about that. <laughs> you know, so it's easy. And I've to never like done that. Guy. Of course not. <laughs> now the rule is, it's always you can't go from being easygoing to strict. Mm. Students will resent that. So. And I always think I'm going to try that, but this this time I'm definitely going to do it. I'm going to start ah, off, good. and you know I'm going to have little reminders. You know, stay focused, stay intense and strict, and if it's possible, then ease up. But I, I think yeah. I, see, now this is one of those things. Sorry to jump in there, please. but this is one of those things that works so well if you have the whole year with those kids, right? Because you really can you can time that out and you've got a little more luxury of time you can you can manipulate the way you want when you're limited to that 15 or 14 weeks man that, that's that's a, that's a tough act that's a, that's a tough job yeah yeah but i i just have to set the tone i think go so, for it right? go for it i'm curious yeah, yeah yeah so that's one thing and the other thing i'm very much going to do is clearly state to students what is the purpose of every activity you know, this is what you're supposed to huh. be learning from this Good. activity. And we all we we forget. We I always, for, always forget. forget. Not how always, important but we it is forget. that this is why you're doing this. This is why you're doing this homework. You're going to be learning this. You're going to be learning about that, and making sure that it's spoken and it's written and it's on the website and you know, being a lot more clear up so students can understand what is the purpose of an activity because again being in japan you can give your students an activity they'll do it but you won't get much feedback on it so that's another change i think i'm going to try so i'll tell you how it all works out today you're going to write an essay about your weekend because the purpose of this is i have a hangover <laughs> i can't teach you today <laughs> Yes. I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> Post it on the website. <laughs> Big party this weekend, so next week. Yeah. So you're in class writing assignment. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that's different for me, Tony, also is the fall semester. I get a lot of, um, not a lot, but I get, it's my seminar time where I uh -huh. have, uh, for example, I get to teach a seminar on American studies, and I also have the, my, 
third-year students in our department who sign up for your seminar, and then you get to like work with two or three students very closely for the semester. That's so it's nice. I get a little bit more of the focus classes, so I'll see how that goes. But okay, I think that's kind of what I'll be doing, and I think I have a sense of what you're doing, and I don't know if I've gotten any better sense of where anything is going. Well, I think I think that's that's important information all by itself is that yeah, this is a process thing. Is I'm I'm not a process guy. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not a process. Ask my wife, I'm not a process guy. I'm a I'm a task guy. Get it done, finish it, fix it, make it work. Um but the uh this is a I think the one takeaway is that this uh, midterm, mid-year break, this semester break, is whether you have continuing the same students over and over again, or whether you get, you know, a clean slate to start over with. Um, it's an opportunity to look back, you know, with with a cold eye. I mean, objectively say, okay, what worked and what didn't, and why? Because a lot, you know, a lot of times we, we we fool ourselves, right? So we get we get lucky. We get a great class in there. Where anything <laughs> they're gung ho and it's and yeah anything and where any bows up there is going to be a star because because they're just all gung ho they're 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 hungry and they're they're ravenous and they'll just give anything that you throw at them it's like yeah it's it's really easy to be a star um, when you've got a class like that but did you really did you make the best use of all that did you really get them to do what they were capable of doing or did you just like sit back and say Every we show up and say, "Oh, this is <laughs> this is a really great class. I don't have to do anything. This is an easy class to teach." And the other kids in, at the other end of the spectrum, where you have a class where nothing that you've got, nothing is working, sit back and you know really look at it. It's like, well, maybe there wasn't anything that you could have done differently. Maybe not. Maybe you're doing the best that you that anybody could have done. You, you don't know. You no, know, maybe maybe something you did on the first day just poisoned the whole class for the semester. You don't know that either, unless you go back and you really take a cold, hard look and see what's that, what you did, what happened, what's really happening, what are you doing, what are they doing, what's the total environment, right? Don't don't do, again. I made a light about the the classroom and thing, but no classroom lighting, temperature, what class they had before, what do they have after, what time of the day is it, what day of the week. Um, the particular major, the whole gestalt of the classroom, um, all of that, and really, it takes a little bit of work to figure out what it is that's what's I don't happening. Think it's a little bit of work, Tony. It takes it's a, a whole, <laughs> it's a whole lot of work. Yeah, it's a pain. But but, but it's our chance. But this is a chance to do that, and there's there's gold there. I mean, there there really is gold, and it can. It can really it it can make your life better. It can make your job better. It can make you a better teacher, a better experience for your students, um, and it's a, it's a chance. It's it's a chance for a do over. You know this this little break that we've got, and to to capitalize on that, use that, um, and it uh, it can be a really nice thing. But he said he just said it's hard and it is work. Right. I think those are all really important points and good points. And I was just thinking while you were talking actually that in the sense that. As teachers, we're incredibly lucky that our years are cycles compared to, yeah, let's say, other it? kind of people's work where we know. I know that in February of every year, basically where I'm going to be and how depressed I'm going to be <laughs> over another failed semester. 
Mm. But that's one of the advantages is that we do have a cycle that we work with. And we're trying to use that cycle as best as possible for bringing about improvements in our performance and in our students' performance. So, yeah, the use of that cycle and then what was it? How did you say to be ruthless? Was that the word you used? I didn't say ruthless, but it's really cold, true. hard, okay. high. Yeah, really but, but you do have to be ruthless. That's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah it's, with, like, it's with yourself. Um, you know that. You know, did exactly. You know, I had to be, a, I had a be great honest. Class. Did I take them as far as I could have taken them? Honestly, yeah. honestly, ruthlessly honest. Be ruthlessly honest. honest. Actually, you can be ruthlessly honest with yourself, Tony. Well, it's I'm much easier settle, with other, it's much easier with other like... people. <laughs> it's much easier being honest with, about other people's performance than my own. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. Oh, huh? Part really of my hard. semi my semi responsibility is that I I go out and I watch my students do their student teaching. Uh-huh. Uh, we should, oh, should, how, we, how fun that would be i mean it's it's funny but painful it's, it's the highlight of the year <laughs> it's really really fun scary mirror man i don't know that, that, that's kind of unnerving i don't know if i could well do that. You, what happens is the reason it's nice to see my students and to, to see how they're taking what they've learned and how inadequately prepared they are mm. actually for the classroom the teaching classroom but mm. the thing is that is nice about it because it always happens basically in September. It's happened the last couple of years is that I have reasonable amount of confidence about being a, a good teacher, but I know I can always do better. You know, that's this feeling and that sure. frustration is that why, you know, why can't I fix this problem? What's wrong with me? I've been teaching for 28 years. What's going on? What, you know, I should know by now. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. And then the nice thing is, is when you watch somebody teach, you re- it's realize how much you actually know. Yeah. And can you see them doing what you taught them to do? And, it's it's, it's right, a special feeling. Right. Or when you see them figure something out. But most interesting, and I just mentioned this, you know, as we wind down this podcast, and I, I've noticed this with in the last year or so of watching students teach is that they just something happens by chance and how much that happens in the classroom for example the there's not enough um, handouts for the entire class there was a miscount so one of the student teachers had to give every two students one sheet and how that increased the amount of crosstalk between students um, was the idea of how much of this is, you know, making the best opportunities of lucky chances, so to speak. Sure. And working on it. And, you know, in that sense, again, my fall semester is nice. I get to, you know, observe the students. I get to feel a little bit better about myself because I could say, okay, I, I, this is what I would do and this is what I would change. But I think the other thing that's really important about the fall semester and that ruthlessly honest reappraisal of what did I do just before that I can tweak and fix is to figure out some way to say, okay, I know I'm going to revamp for next April. What can I experiment with now? What can I try out? I think you mentioned mm. that before. Mm. So it's an interesting aspect of the teaching field yeah. hmm. so that's kind of meandering off into the deep yeah yeah well looking at opportunities opportun- learning opportunities for us 
Yes. And I think as, you know, experienced teachers that people can be very hard on themselves and you have to forget that you're bringing a lot of knowledge into the classroom and we're doing a good job and students are having positive experiences in the classroom. The thing is that drives us is that it could be so much better mm -hmm. and making it better without it being totally new, correct? Correct. And having the students kind of going, oh, it's this guy again on Monday morning at nine o'clock. I knew there was a reason I didn't like this class. <laughs> <laughs> then you see it's second period on Monday and third period. Eh, you don't get any of that. Nah, I've never you, seen a student you disappointed don't, you don't to get see me. Nah. Yeah. Neither you, right, Tony? Well, there have been individuals. <laughs> and I know who they are. They, classes they are... who will go unnamed. <laughs> okay. okay. So little All right, so that's it. So that's it. I mean, take advantage. Um, next week uh, we'll be doing uh, actually a part two of previous of our previous episode. Not next week, but our next uh, next talk will be about uh, a little bit more of the brass tacks and details, uh, the nitty gritty about um, information flow between teacher and student, online type of thing. So. Uh, Charles will talk a little bit more about Moodle, which he's giving up, which is interesting, not not surprising particularly. Ruthlessly honest. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Edmodo, uh, which is an online service for teachers and students, which has got some got some good points to it and why, why, why you might want to do it and why you might not want to do it. And then maybe talk a little bit about you know the old school way or like the basics of like, you know, just like FTP, you know, file transfer protocol. How do you get your stuff online so students can get it off in maybe maybe if we have time maybe a little bit about mail filters and that kind of thing and workflows so, workflows workflows is a is a is a right how do you do word, this so huh? that everything moves smoothly but yeah nuts and bolts next week yeah on the nuts tech and bolts part. on on tech so. no meandering from me <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> See if that that'll be a first okay so here we go with our usual ending this is Charles yeah yeah Liz. Tony Silva. Blah, 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 right? We yeah, are yeah, two yeah. teachers talking. Teachers talking, two teachers, teachers talking. talking .com, two teachers talking at gmail.com. We're on iTunes at two teachers talking. And if you haven't figured that out by now. Or, well, welcome to all you new listeners who haven't figured it out by now. <laughs> Let's not, not throw those people away, cast them aside. Yeah. Okay, so I know what you're going to be doing, and I know what I'm going to be doing today. <laughs> Tony, I hope next week goes well as we... Yeah, good luck to you, too. Yeah. With the changes and the new cases and, and all that, so give them help. Ha. All right, see you. All righty. <laughs>